Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. All right. Hi, it's me, Dr. Fuck, and with me is... The Ayatollah Alcohola, who's not drinking today. Wadzilla, what's up? Um... Not much, bro. Uh, I'm here, you know, doing my thing. And, well, I already finished my thing. I already threw the tissue away. Well, actually, I use a gym sock. And uh, I'm ready to do the fucking, uh, the little news. So let's talk about Nashville. Get it over. All right, Nashville. Uh, as the day we were recording this on Wednesday, uh, we had already, we had put up the GoFundMe uh, campaign link. So you can go on there. And I want like within an hour, we already raised $130, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, and on on the link on the on the Facebook page, you can see all what you get for your money. Please, I stress in the description, leave that. Uh, you know, this is for the in honor of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We appreciate that, and we appreciate all the donations. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a good one. And I can't wait to see all of you in August. I want to see a lot of you in August. But thanks, everybody, for donating. And right off the bat, it really made me feel good. Let's be number one again. And you can, you can, uh, I'm not going to get mad this year. You can, you know, unless, you know, people that, people like Bushy uh, picked, <laughs> picked horrible shit for me to get mad. So if you want me to get mad, pay another extra bucks and I'll be really mad. Yeah. So there you go. Pick whatever the hell you want. You know, I don't care. I'll review anything. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I'm doing it for you guys for doing us the favor. So I got to stop being uh, very uh, Paul Stanley about this shit. <laughs> I'm not going to look at you like if you're wearing an Iron Maiden shirt at a Thrasher Die backstage meet and greet photo op that costs $15,000. <laughs> right. But but if it ain't rock or metal, you're paying 100 <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, whatever you want, dude. You want to review the cure again? Oh. I don't care. Just do it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll. You want to hear me lose my shit over the cure? Go right ahead. Uh, pick. You know, boys looking through a little hole in the in the bathroom stall album. I don't care. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, before we get to the awesome album we're reviewing this week, we got a shit ton of news. Yeah. And uh, let's see. It starts off with some Gene Simmons. He performed last night in Nashville as part of this whole uh, vault thing. I think he's doing. Or was no, this was just a rock and roll residency thing. But you're going to see him this coming uh, weekend, right? Yeah, as this airs, I already saw it because it's going to be Saturday, uh, Saturday the 27th. I'm doing the uh, vault experience with. Ruben Della Rosa. I love that guy. And, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, I wasn't going to do it, uh, but then Ace Frehley got added. And I still was like, you know, I had the little angel on my shoulder, the little devil, and then the little devil ran around and, like, without lube, fucked the angel in the ass and sent it to the free clinic. And then the angel devil's like, yeah, go ahead, get it, get it, get it. So Saturday morning I came. Actually, it was at work. This is a funny thing. At work I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to do it. So I go on GeneSimmonsVault.com at work, and it was blocked because my job blocks a lot of sites. So I said, okay, well, I'll do it when I get home. So then I got home, and boy, it was like real quick. I thought it was like, 
you know, it was very easy. Gene made it. Gene made it <laughs> extremely easy to throw him two thousand dollars. It was right. so easy, and and no taxes. It was two thousand straight, you know. And uh, yeah, so I'm doing it, man. I'm doing it. I'm excited to meet Gene, and I'm gonna fill the whole, the whole thing, and uh, and hopefully I'll get to ask him some. Some questions that I won't say now, but being that I'm a mega uh, kiss nerd, I have some really good questions for him that that nobody know nobody's ever asked him, and it's not questions that would offend him either. It's gonna be uh, I'm I'm sure I'm gonna surprise him with some questions, you know. I have for Gene Simmons, so or maybe I won't. Who knows? I don't know. But all I know is I'm asking him questions that maybe some of you kiss nerds don't even know about. That it's like uh, what do they call them? them uh, Lore, what do they call them? Fables or lures or you know legends or whatever. Wives are. tales. <laughs> yeah, why? You know, like kind of like you know the the cow grafted tongue type thing. Those type of questions. I only have like one, but you know, I mean, I have a really good one though. That that'll fucking. And I'll tell you when we get off the air the question I'm going to ask them because it's something that I've heard and it's like, oh, man, I wonder if that shit's true. And it has to do with Gene Simmons, you know, on stage something that happened. So we'll see. And uh, which is really cool. If it really did happen, oh my god, it's that'd be fucking amazing. Anyway, so uh, yeah, stay tuned. So uh, it'll probably be a Vieira vault where I cover the whole thing because you know me, I mean, I plan on going there with uh, the video camera and my Zoom recorder and go up to all those kiss nerds and 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 ask them uh, how does it feel to be as pathetic as me to waste all this fucking money? You know, what's wrong with us? You know, shit like you know self-deprecating humor. All through that thing, you know, and and it's gonna be fun, man. I, I mean, I I think it, I I have a feeling I'm gonna like it. I mean, considering everybody that's done the vault experience, everybody's telling me, dude, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. So, there you go. Uh, quick question about that. Uh, you know, I don't know if you read all the terms and or just hit accept. You know, like uh, like it's an update or something. But is there any rules about? Uh, recording and, no, and pictures uh, and stuff all like that? The, all that's allowed. I mean, the only, oh, the, the only thing on there that, I, you know, I read it all. Okay. The one thing is like, canceled, fuck you. We're keeping your money. That's the only thing. Okay. You know? But, you know, there's, you know, the thing is, if you cancel, um, we're not going to give you your money back, but you're still going to get the vault because they're, they're selling the vault for $2,000 whether you get the experience or not. So there's people like, hey, if you can't make a, a, a show, if you can't make the experience, we're still going to ship you the, you know, the vault. But if you go to it, you get to go home with it. Nice. So there you go. And, you know, each vault brings a personal item from Gene uh, hidden in it. There's a little secret compartment that he'll put something special in there. And uh, the rumor is there's two of them that has his Rolex watches. Uh, and you know, other stuff is, you know, like Kiss memorabilia and shit like that. No, me, I'll probably get a gym sock, but I'm okay with that. You know? <laughs> I think what you're going to get, you know, he has that legendary uh, photo album of all the Polaroids. You're probably yeah, one of your I'll probably, I'll probably get one. <laughs> what, be the, what, are, what are the odds? Well, then again, the odds are big because I understand she always banged them when you was in my head. Sometimes she traveled to fucking Atlanta to bang Fucking whore. <laughs> oh, well, man, I, I, I hope it's awesome, man. I, I hope it's killer. Uh, I've always said Gene was the nicest one that I met out of the whole band, so uh, I hope you get your money's worth. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I I think I will. I don't think Gene's gonna be a dick in any way. Unless I say, hey, Gene, you see my diluted video? 
<laughs> you know? Do now, that shit like that. All right, yeah. now, and now, you know, enough of that. I want to talk about the return of Vinnie Vincent. Okay. Which, oh my God, dude, talk about uh, the interest of this shit. Because uh, on Friday, uh, when he was interviewed by Eddie Trunk, I did a little commentary on it. Am I almost human? Dude, that shit was 10,000 views in like three days. And I don't know how much it is now. So then I did one on uh, the Q&A, and that's in the thousands as well. Um, I'm very biased when it comes to the Vinnie Vincent thing, but here's the thing. I don't want to be... People got so caught up on this Vinnie Vincent thing that it's like everything he said, oh, man, it's look at he's telling the truth and Gene and Paul are lying to this and that. But I don't know. You got to look at it, you know, uh, unbiasedly because... You know, everything he said, I mean, I do believe most of it, but some of it is kind of like, hey, wait a second, uh, the box set, you know, the box set controversy? Right. His explanation was, look, I shouldn't have done pre-orders. I didn't get to finish it. And thank God I didn't take too many pre-orders. But I promise you, whoever pre-ordered it, you're going to get two box sets and personal shit from me, which is cool. But what if, you know, some of these people that donated are dead now? You know what I mean? And also, another thing that nobody asked him, it's like, well, uh, Vinny, since uh, you couldn't release it, why didn't you send them their money back? You know what I mean? I mean, it's right. the only decent thing. Everybody was like, oh, damn, you're awesome. You're sending them two box sets. Like, what the fuck I want two box sets for? You know? Yeah, what, and what if it sucks? Then you got two shitty box sets. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, I'm gonna. Uh, chances are, I'm gonna have a big ass shitty vault in my house too. <laughs> you, you think, <laughs> dude? I saw the track listing on that vault. Holy fuck! It's like so many songs on there. There's like four or five versions of it. It's like, what the fuck is this? You know. <laughs> I heard one of the CDs is nothing but uh, like dance mixes of Russian roulette. <laughs> Ouch! I love that song. <laughs> but you know me, man. The main thing I want to hear is that fucking uh, Van Halen demos, which I'm surprised right. that it hasn't been leaked yet. And you know what I'm thinking, Ian? I'm thinking maybe those uh, CDs are copy guarded. Maybe. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. I think you need to get those into the hands of. Uh... Mr. X. <laughs> well, you know what? There is a way around it, but I don't remember how I did it. Because remember, um, I dealt with a copy guarded CD, and uh, some—I mean, it was um, Anthrax. We came for you all. That CD's copy guarded. And when I bought it, uh, I remember online somebody said, "Just press this key on your keyboard when you pop it in, and you can you can you know rip it." And it worked. It worked like a charm. So. Um, you know, you know, uh, I'll find out how to rip those uh, CDs. Yeah, you know, this is being aired after I meet Gene. So, yeah, I'm going to rip these goddamn CDs. <laughs> send them to Mr. X and let him go nuts with it. Let him spread it around. Don't, I paid don't... two grand, motherfucker. Hey, don't worry. This is a Venom episode. I'm sure Gene's one of those Kiss nerds who oh, only yeah. listens to Kiss episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And all, yeah, and all, all the Kiss fans ain't hearing my voice now. Yeah, exactly. Unless we put it, unless we put it in the you know, Venom with Gene Simmons and you know, so but you know, uh, I do find it kind of weak uh, the attacking of how Vinnie Vincent looks looks now. And let me explain to you why. Vinnie Vincent hasn't been around for twenty fucking years, dude. People look different. Like imagine if you saw Paul Stanley now since Revenge. 
You know, right. Paul Stanley looks fucking weird, you know, with all that Botox and shit. And he's fairly, even though he's he's lost a lot of weight, he's still fucking fat compared to how he was 20 years ago. Gene looks, you know, I mean, goddamn, man, that guy, his hair is really fucking, I mean, they all look, everybody looks different, man. You know, you get a picture of anybody 10 years ago. So, of course, and everybody well, everybody keeps saying that Vinnie Vincent's now a woman, um, which I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't. He looks very female-ish, but at the same time, it's like, he always did, though. Remember Vinnie Vincent's invasion? I think he looked like more like a chick back then he does, than he does now. He does look odd, but Vinnie Vincent always looked odd, but he looks very uh, overweight. You know, that's the right. one thing, you know, I, he does, he has gained a ton of weight, but as far as like, you know, his wig and his face, I don't really see that much of a difference, you know, I'll I tell you, you, you know, you know, and, and you'll admit to this, there's not too many bigger assholes than me out there. And, and even I felt bad about the ribbing he was taking, you know, it's like, and you said something in your video, uh, <laughs> that I was afraid might be true. You never know. I, I mean, it's so vicious, the attacks. This might be the thing that sends them right back. Yeah, it like, might go, I, yeah I, that's what I, I think, I, too. I came out for this, and, and you brought up a great point. Look, you know, look at uh, Gene now. Look at Paul now. You know, the only two people who look exactly like they did, you know, years ago are Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer, because they look just like Peter Chris and uh, Ace Fraley <laughs> from 1974. I know, they haven't <laughs> aged at all. Yeah, no, look exactly the same, same costumes and everything. Yeah. It's amazing. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that was the wrong thing to uh, for everybody to focus on. But, of course, everybody's going to go for the negative. You know, I found it curious because I listened to everything live on Sirius as it was happening. And, uh, you know, tuned in to, to Eddie Trunk's show. And sure enough, you know, he's expecting Vinny. Vinny's late. And Vinny's late. You know, you could tell Eddie Trunk was getting pissed. Because he's like, by the time this happens, I'm going to be off the fucking air. You know, and Vinny finally showed up, but it was at the last minute, and I was like, man, here's Vinny being Vinny again, again. So this is and, this is why the interview was short, huh? Oh, oh, well, he, he even said, like, initially, he was only granted so much time. Oh, okay. Because Vinny was supposed to go out and start talking to people. Uh, there, I think there was a VIP thing on Friday and uh, Sunday for people who got, like, the deluxe package. Like, you got... You know, you got a separate thing with Vinny than everybody else. But, you know, it kept on saying, uh, Vinny's on his way. You know, Vinny's in, in the building. You, you know, all this stuff. But I'm thinking, it's like, man, after all these years, and here's the big day. You think you'd have your shit together. You think you'd be on time. You know, you know, yeah, look at Axl Rose. All the shit he used to pull. Every Guns N' Roses show starts on time now. You never hear any of that bullshit anymore. You know, and you would think Vinny would do that. So already, I was like, God, here he goes again. And uh, I, I thought the uh, the thing with Eddie Trunk, it was it was all right. You know, I figured you weren't going to get like a lot of dirt. Um, you know, I loved I love Mean Mr. Mustard. That was my favorite part. Right, but you know, now he's talking about trying to get a book. So I was like, oh, here we go. You know, he's going to want to save juicy shit for the for the book or whatever. But I, I thought the thing with Eddie Trunk was all right. I didn't. Uh, I haven't watched the. Uh, you know, like the hour-long thing yet. I kind of went through it. What I did watch, though, was uh, clips of him playing live. And all I can say is, good God, did he sound like shit. Well, Ian, you got to remember, the guy was talking for 24 hours. 
Right, no, I, I understand. But and I, I like thought, and, and actually when he was singing, I was like, he, I love that guy's voice. And he sounds good, but it sounds so rough. And it sounds so, because you can tell he's, he's hoarse and this and that. But, I mean, I have no problem with the voice because I understood the voice. The playing was more what I had a problem with. It almost looked like he wasn't even trying. It's just doing these little furly things on guitar. And I was like, I wasn't really blown away by it, to tell you the truth. I was like, eh. But I know yeah. he can do much better. And I think right. he says he's been playing seven hours a day, every day. Well, it must not be on acoustic, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's another thing, you know. I, I, I think the fans, I mean, it was it was nice to do the, the little acoustic thing. People love these intimate, you know, like it's fucking... 1994 and we're all watching MTV Unplugged again and shit, but uh, you know, I think what the fans really would have loved, pick up, pick up one of those uh, frilly ass fucking pick guitars and jam something electric, really blow people's minds, remind them why they love you in the first place, you know it wasn't because you're fucking James Taylor <laughs> you know, pick up electric guitar, give the fans like a real like, yeah but uh, but I, I'm glad he's back, I'm glad, you know, people who went had a good time I did read, uh, you know, uh, one guy complain about the expo overall. Said was very uh, disorganized and a, and a real clusterfuck, but, you know, liked seeing Vinny. But he said other than that, it was a real shitty expo. Uh, and I haven't got to talk to Chris Inzak in, in great depth about it. But, uh, you know, hey, everybody who went, if you had a great time, great. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to meet him in 96, so. And it was kind of the same thing when I met him, you know, just he was thinner, but, you know, very effeminate, very, you know, you get his side of the story. Uh, you know, now he says that he's going to appear at one of these things with uh, Gene Simmons, like what you're seeing and Ace is showing up. He's saying he's doing one with Gene, but yeah. we've yet we've yet to hear from Gene on that. Well, and, I'll ask him. And, and that's something. Uh, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, and don't forget to plug the podcast too, but uh, but uh, you know I'm really surprised because I thought that would be something like right away, like Gene would either confirm or, or you know or, or deny right away. But you haven't heard a peep from that, so we'll, we'll see if that. I, I'd be really surprised if that comes to fruition. If it does, great. I think it'd be great for the fans, you know. Um, but. We'll see, but uh, I, I need, like I said, I need to watch the whole thing in its entirety before I give a total judgment, but basically, you know, hey, people like it, you're happy, great. And yeah, the dude looks weird, but he looked weird anyway, so fucking calm down. And you brought up a great point, you know, all these people making fun of him, you know, they should all put up a fucking selfie. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> my know? thing. Dude, and I'm not going to even name the name, but there was one guy that's actually on our podcast <laughs> that made fun of his looks, and I looked at him. Holy fuck, dude. Vinny Vincent looks like fucking Brad Pitt compared to this guy. And, I mean, dude, this guy looked literally like Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> literally. Right. right, but that's not even Justin's real name. Who knows if it's a real picture? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but, but um, yeah, man, it's like, come on. I, I'm not really, I mean, I never really make fun of people's looks. I, you know, I just don't see the point of it. I think it's kind of mean. Mean-spirited and, and uh. I don't know. It's just not a nice thing to do. I don't care if Vinnie Vincent looked like fucking the guy that was interviewing him, which made Vinnie Vincent look skinny. Skinny. I don't know if you saw that guy. You know, I mean, that guy was very, very overweight and very obese. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah, I'm not yeah. making fun of him. I'm just saying, you know, it's like, dude, imagine if Vinnie came out looking like that dude 
Or John right. Oliva, you know, like, you know, because that guy was kind of like John Oliva size. But the guy seems like a nice guy. I'm not bashing him. I'm just saying the guy is huge. I'm not making fun fun of him. I'm just bringing up a fact. And uh, but, you know, he is he is very, very overweight of uh, Vinny. Very overweight. But whatever, man, that's life, dude. That's yeah. that happens. You know, that he's happens. also he's 64 years old, <laughs> too. Is you got to remember. Is he really? That. Yeah. Wow. You know, you know, I, I mean, it's it's weird to think that way because you haven't seen him in so long, you know, other right. than that, that, that bug shot. But sometimes, you know, you just don't realize like, oh, fuck, how old am I now? You know, I think about how old I should. He, he didn't good. look too, he didn't look too good in that mug shot, actually, you know. No, no, but you know what I mean, though? But I mean, I think he looks puffier now, but. Uh, well, you didn't see the rest of his body in that. No, I'm sure he, was, he is puffier sure. now, but in that picture of him, the mug shot, it's only a face. He could have been. His face looks kind of bigger in that mugshot, you know. Right. But, but you know, yeah. I'm 64, I mean, think about how many guys are out of shape, you know, but, you know, way younger, so. And plus, well, I mean, Vinny's been home like a recluse all this time. You know, with, right. I'm sure he's got a lot of, you know, bad food and stuff, and he's at home, not going out, not exercising, eating all that crap. It's going to take a toll on you. I mean, he's not active. He's not touring. He's not, you know. Uh, constantly in the studio. I I made I made this comment and boy I got, you know it's just people are such idiots on on YouTube and social media. Uh, Vinnie Vincent in the interview said that all this time all he's been doing is playing and recording, playing and recording. So I brought up, you know that's really good news for you, Vinnie Vincent fans. Just like you know Hendrix, there's still new Hendrix albums coming out because he was recording a lot and Eddie Van Halen, you know in the 5150 studio. You know he's got a lot of backlog that you know. God forbid Vinny dies, there's going to be a lot of music for the future. Some guy wrote, I can't believe you just compared Vinny Vincent to Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, no, I, I didn't. I'm just saying they both have a lot of backlog shit, you idiot. Well, the thing is that people want to hear Jimi Hendrix. Nobody wants to hear Vinny Vincent. I'm like, uh, no, uh, a lot more people want to hear Hendrix. Yes, I'll give you that. But I think there's enough of a fan base that Vinnie Vincent can can release something on some Bobo label and it'll sell into the thousands. I mean, look at that expo. It's sold out. And look at my videos. It's like 14,000, 15,000 people. Obviously, people are interested in Vinnie Vincent. And believe me, the amount of comments and the, and, and the dislikes to likes, dude, it's like only like I can count on maybe two hands the people that were bashing Vinnie. And it's like everybody just everybody most everybody were so happy to have him back people were, i don't give a fuck what he looks like i'm just happy to have him back you know so vinnie vincent does have a following you know i'm not saying it's a, uh, at the league of hendrix i mean you'd be totally retarded to think that you know jimmy uh, he's even close to the legend of jimmy hendrix but you know he's got a, a following yeah you know? more, more than mark st john probably and, and I'm sure Mark St. John releases something tomorrow, you know, and it'll get bought up, you know what I mean? And he was on a terrible Kiss album, but the, the, the power of Kiss nerds. Hey, we, we we could do a fucking Mark St. John episode and it would do better numbers than Rush, <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's, oh, yeah there's, I'm sure there's, it would. There's an audience out there. Yeah, let's do it for shits and giggles. Tribute <laughs> to Mark St. John. <laughs> yeah, um, when we do get back to Kiss episodes, it'll be all about Mark St. John. And if I, if we got to review uh, the White Tiger album, I, I I demand you guys put into the Nashville Expo. 
Oh God! Yeah, that's that, just horrible. That album's woo. In other news, uh, a band retiring now. Wow, I was surprised they officially announced that Slayer is calling it quits. <coughs> yeah, Tom's had enough, man. Yeah, well, I think he's had enough of Kerry King. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> and uh, and the physical toll and everything. And I, I think probably he lost a lot of heart when, you know, the thing with Jeff, I yeah. think, was another. And, and, we'll, and besides, we'll, we'll be hearing all about it after the tour's done, how oh, my heart wasn't into it without Jeff. He ain't going to say it now. Right. And Dave Mustaine's getting desperate now. He's like, oh, man, we need to have another uh, uh, Big Four show before they retire. You saw that? <laughs> he was like yeah. running yeah. out saying that. <laughs> All right. Well, something you're not going to see anymore is Dave Holland. Yeah, I got something to say about that. Um, I was surprised when he died. I saw, I had no idea he said he was innocent. I thought he pled guilty. That's why yeah. I've, always, I've always been hard on the guy, but he claimed he was innocent, so... Yes. Now, now I can't say the guy was a kitty diddler because, <clears throat> dude, I mean, come on. Uh, you know, has there never been a case where somebody went to jail when they were innocent? You know what I mean? Right. And who knows? He Maybe he didn't have, like, a Johnny Cochran. Maybe he had a shitty lawyer, you know? I mean, I mean, come on. How much money do you think he made off Jesus Priest, you know? Much right. less trapeze. So I'm not saying the guy's innocent. But now I can't really say the guy was guilty. I think the world will never know. Though everybody online seems to know because they're, everybody's an expert online. I had an argument with some girl saying, yeah, yeah, they all say they're innocent. And I'm like, yeah, like you've never been blamed for something you didn't do. And imagine when you get blamed for something you didn't do and you go, I didn't do it. And somebody says, yeah, all oh, you say the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like, yeah. like, like Winslow Leach in, uh, in, in Phantom, of, Phantom of the Paradise. You know, he's like, uh, oh, I didn't do it. Yeah. The judge goes, yeah. Uh, who else here didn't do it? And everybody raises their hand. So, um, sad, dude. It's sad. And I think, you know, honestly, he wasn't like a great, great drummer or, you know, but man, he got the job done. You listen to like British Steel, Defender of the Faith, Screaming for Vengeance, even Point of Entry. I mean... The, the songs didn't call for Painkiller or Scott Travis, but he laid down some good beats, and, and those songs are fucking classic. And I was very uh, happy to see that Judas Priest uh, mentioned them because, I, you know, all this time, the rumor was G- Judas Priest is keeping themselves, they're distancing themselves from Dave Holland. That's why they never mentioned him. And they gave, like, a nice little tribute to the guy saying, hey, man, he was part of the most successful years of Judas Priest, you know? And the most pr- productive years of Judas Priest. So. Right. I um, was wondering about that, too, because I saw, uh, you know, KK commented on it before uh, Judas right. Priest did. But, I, I mean, I can understand, you, you know, uh, there's got to be mixed emotions there because definitely you don't want your band to be associated with that. You know, I mean, they, they, they've had a, they've had a rough go. I mean, look, they you know, they were associated with the with the kids that killed themselves that they blamed Judas Priest for, you know, and then, you know, granted, uh, it was much better than I thought, but you know, they also get shit cause Rob Halford's gay, you know, and then here you got a guy that's, uh, uh, accused of child molestation. So I can see like, Oh fuck, how many things we got to deal with? Um, but, uh, and, and I saw a lot of shit online too, where, you know, I, I saw somebody left a Judas Priest, uh, page on Facebook because people were saying it's sad that he died. 
you know, oh, how can you defend this child molester? But I, I knew that he always maintained his innocence. I never knew that. I, yeah, I, I yeah. Was I was very I, I surprised when I saw yeah. that. Yeah. No, he, he always, always denied it. And, 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 you know, you said the same thing. We'll never know. Now, look, you know, I, I said on the past before, you know, he diddled me when I took drum lessons. But when I asked him if he played drums on Turbo and Ram It Down, he said, no, that was Johnny Five. So he was honest about that. So, you, you know, and when he diddled me, it was consensual, you know, because I, I got, you know, five bucks off on my drum lessons. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's a weird thing. You'll never know. Now, if he, if, if he did do it, uh, yeah, th there's nothing worse in the world than, than somebody who abuses children. And in my, I mean, that's definitely like the worst thing you could fucking do. An unforgivable fucking crime. That and, but, and, and, and defend Sammy Hager. Yeah. Yeah, well, that goes without saying. Uh, they also but, get burned. Yes. Together. Yes, slowly. Um, but, like, like you said, you'll, you'll never know. There's been a lot of people that have been convicted of shit. I mean, you see shit on the news all the time. Hey, there's a guy that lives fucking uh, a block behind me who spent 30 years in fucking Angola, a state prison here in Louisiana. A black man accused of rape. Uh, spent 30 years in fucking prison. Then they finally uh, were able to prove with DNA that he didn't do it. You know? And this shit happens all the time. Just because somebody says something, you know, doesn't mean... And, I, and it doesn't mean he didn't do it either. You know? But, uh, you know, I hope he didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, too, me too. You know, I mean... But you know what? Now, I, I you know, because honestly, I always was under the impression he admitted to it and that's why he went to jail, but... Yeah, no. And if and if that was the case, I'd be like, good, good written. Fuck you. I hope you rot. Fuck you. I don't give a fuck that you're dead. But right. now, hearing that till he died, he claimed he was innocent the whole time. I'm like, man, uh, maybe he didn't do it. I'm not saying he did or didn't. Right. But nobody out there should be saying if he. The only people that knows he did or didn't is that kid. Right. <clears throat> you know. And another thing I wasn't aware of, it was attempted rape. I always thought he fucking banged the kid. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It was. It was Not it, that that matters. I mean, you right. attempt, you try. Your, it's still the same scumbag move. But man, I was like, oh, it was attempted. I didn't know that either. So, I, I, it's something I never really looked into. You know, Dave, the Dave Holland situation. All I heard uh, is he, people online, and you know, you can't take shit from people. Oh yeah, he molested a kid in a wheelchair. Oh fuck, you know. So I'm as guilty as everybody else that just takes that information and doesn't look into it. But man, reading that really like. Wow, and now I kind of feel bad for him because maybe he didn't do it, you know? Right, from, from some shit that I read a long time ago, uh, you know, and I could be hazy on the details here, but I think it was one of those, like, uh, he couldn't necessarily uh, afford, you know, like a, like a really good defense to fucking, you know, you know, to fight it, but he also never said he did it either, but he couldn't, like, you, you know, push it, push it, so he just tried to, you know, get it over with and i don't know how much time he served uh you know it wasn't like he was in life like they had that great of fucking evidence you know what i mean right but, but what a thing to get smeared with you know and it, it's you know it, it's one of those things like you know a weird law here you know if if you get arrested for pissing in the street you have to file uh as a sex offender because you know you whip your junk out but it falls under the same thing but there's a big difference between uh you know fucking a kid and pissing in the street but yeah wait wait, wait wait let's say i'm pissing in the street and, and i get caught do i have to go to my neighbors now and tell yeah. them this? 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that's part of if, if you get arrested for it because it's considered, uh, you know, it's considered a, a sex offense. Even if you're hiding behind a tree. Yeah, if you if, if something you get arrested, you know, you have to uh, to file for that because it's indecent exposure, which is like a like a sex offense. Well, fuck it. If I am ever gonna piss on a seat, I'm gonna piss on a little kid. What the fuck? Yeah, I might as money. well, right? I'm, I'm gonna have to be, you know, might get as well piss on a kid. Yeah, right. I'm gonna go up on a tree, wait till a little kid shows up, piss on his head, and then become a sex offender. Right. Oh, uh, what did you do? I peed on a kid. <laughs> All right. Well, next story. Uh, did you watch any of the footage from the uh, the Sean Killian? Uh, yes. Benefit? Yes, and it was terrible. I, 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 you know, I know I'm biased and blah blah blah. But watching Rob Flynn do a world in a world it was just it just seemed so wrong. Watching anybody do a violent song seemed so wrong because you know just imagine seeing like you know, well I don't know what you feel about. It. The Metallica Merciful Fate thing, but it's just not the same without King Diamond. And King Diamond is like Sean Killian because they both have a unique way of singing that nobody can, you know, well, especially Sean Killian and King Diamond. Yeah, I'm sure people can imitate him. But Sean Killian has a unique way of delivery. It's very unorthodox, and that's why a lot of people don't like his voice because right. he doesn't have, well, fucking <clears throat> here's Rob Flynn delivering it like it's a machine head song, and it really bothered me. The, the, the band sounded good. Perry Strickland, holy fuck, dude. That guy still can drum the fuck out of that drums, you know? I was very impressed by him. It's not Sean Killian, you know what I mean? Right. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I wasn't sure because they showed, uh, you know, I'm looking at the story. They've got a picture with Sean on stage. So he didn't perform any songs, huh? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't think he should. I mean, he looks so frail. It kills me, man. Watching those pictures of him, it really hurts me a lot. You know... I can't, I can't see him. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not sure if he did perform or not. But man, I mean, to, to sing like you do, that's a lot of energy you got to have to sing like Sean Killian. There's a lot of words spitting out. You got to like. There's not a lot of time for breathing when you sing like that. You know. It was released that Tom Petty died of an accidental overdose. You know. You know what I hate, dude. What's that? Is that some news reports I saw on my Facebook saying Tom Petty died of a drug overdose. It's like, you fuck, it was accidental. And it wasn't even right. like, you know, it was, uh, you know, prescription drugs. It wasn't like, you know, right. Right. people well, suck. You know, I, I think that's the biggest danger in the in this country, I, you know, as far as overdoses, is, is, you know, shit that you legitimately get from the doctor and people mixing. Now, this is some stuff he was taking for legitimate ailments. But, uh, man, I guess, you know, his age combined with, with the mixture... Uh, it's a damn shame. Stay with the street drugs. Yeah, street drugs, man. Street Doctors drugs. kill you. Your 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 local neighborhood drug dealer cares. Exactly. Experiment with street drugs. Figure out what you can handle, what you can't handle, and stick with that. Or you find know? a doctor that's like a, a street drug guy, like Elvis did. Yeah, oh dude. wait, he died. Never mind. <laughs> El- Elvis was doing quaaludes and shit. That guy was partying. So without further to do. Uh, let's get to an album that, that you picked out, and I was like, oh, hell yeah, let's do that one. We're talking about a very influential album, Venom, Welcome to Hell. And now we're going to go into the review, 1981, right? 81. Yes, sir, December 81, just made the cut. A Game Changer, 
Venom, welcome to hell. <laughs> and I figure since our new format now is that we're going to fucking review whatever the fuck and, you know, not play it safe anymore, why not start with the first, in my opinion, the first extreme metal band? And oh my god, is this is this out? This album still sounds fucking extreme, you know. And I'm not talking about more than words either. And uh, oh man, I, you know, I'll tell you my little history. It's an interesting history on Venom. I discovered Merciful Fate way after this album came out. I can't remember what year. Uh, the Nuns Have No Fun EP, maybe '83, maybe two years out. Because I know '83 is when I first heard. And. Ever since I bought that album, I was on the hunt to find more satanic bands. Because back in the day, yeah, yeah. Satan was the coolest shit ever. Because Hell was, yeah. You know, now it's you know it's cool to the kids still. But, you know, the kids don't understand, brah. Get off my lawn. How it was back then. Now it's a little more accepted. You know, but back then, man, you would never see somebody with a pentagram ta- tattoo or... Or anything of the sort, you know? And here we go with fucking this band where the fucking album cover is a fucking pentagram. And I saw the album, uh, you know, because I went out looking for Satanic Records. And the only place you can find it was a place called Open Books where I found the Merciful Fate EP. And uh, they had both Welcome to Hell and uh, Black Metal. And I'm talking 1983. This is before Combat picked it up, so... I didn't have enough money back then to buy two records, so I had to like, okay, which one am I going to get first? Welcome to Hell of Black Metal. So I'm looking at the album in the fucking record store, and then I flip over Black Metal, and on the back of the Black Metal album, it says, We drink the vomit of the priest, make love with the dying whore, we suck the blood of the beast, and hold the key to death's door. (laughs) I said, okay, I'll get this one, you know? Because uh, the Welcome to Hell one... I have them both in front of me. The Welcome to Hell one says, uh, we, we, uh, We're possessed by all that is evil. The death of you, God, we demand. We spit on the, at the virgin you worship and sit on, the, sit on Lord Satan's left hand. <laughs> and then it says, To be continued. And that, you know, so the to be continued part is, you know, this. And so, you know, and plus, like, looking at black metal, I mean, it, it looks like like the back of fucking uh, uh, what on the hell is kind of cool. They're they're acting all goofy, but I love the back of a uh, uh, black metal. You have Mantis on a fucking motorcycle and and you know just Cronus looking badass and uh, with scandals all around him. He looks like kind of King Diamondish, and Abaddon is just God. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna get black metal. So I get black metal. I take it home. And I put it on, and the first thing you hear is... I was like, what the fuck is this shit? There's something wrong with my record player? I thought thought the needle was fucked up. Then it goes into the song Black Metal, and you know, when you lay lay down your soul to the gods rock and roll, and it's so dirty sounding, I'm like, I have just found a killer band. This is... This, I mean, I got it on the first listen. And it, and it's weird that I got it because it sounds so primitive and fucked up. But I loved it so much, you know, especially like the first one that really grabbed me off this album was fucking Countess Bathory. You know, I was like, oh, my God. And, you know, also Bloodlust was awesome and, you know, to hell and back. But um, <clears throat> so I, I ran out 
the next week, you know, I saved enough money. I, I got to get that other Venom album. This is awesome. <laughs> and I played Welcome to Hell. I put that shit on, and that shit sounded even worse, production-wise. It's like the worst-sounding album album ever, and I loved it. I loved it to this day. I think this is the greatest Venom album, even better than Black Metal. Not by much, but this is definitely my favorite Venom album, and uh, I was just floored. I never heard anything like this. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever heard, and I needed more of this, you know? So, uh, yeah, so that, and, um, what's, I don't, the thing, the, the bad thing is, I'm looking at my black metal album, and, uh, which, by the way, is signed by all three, as well oh, as, Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah, I had, uh... I didn't know you met Kronos. I brought, I met Kronos in 2011 on the 70 Tons of Metal Cruise. So, oh, nice. So then I took this album to Venom Inc. to add the other two, and, and, and fucking, uh, Abaddon has the coolest autograph that says, uh... Fucking Abaddon, you cunt. <laughs> With a pentagram. That's how he signed oh. his autograph. So, is it Abaddon or Abandon? I don't know. It it's Abaddon. Oh, okay. My bad. Unless I'm fucking wrong, but believe me, I've heard people call him Abaddon. So it's definitely- who, who knows? You you say Coven and I say Coven. You say tomato, I say ketchup. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, dude, it was. Uh, of a mind blower and then you know this uh this nice record version uh ends with red light fever where the combat version ends with um uh busting out but you know it also has another extra track and i talked to you before i said dude let's review both of those because that's what everybody knows i don't think a lot of people own this neat record version but what's really lame is this album i got from black metal I'm looking at it now, and it's a combat album, which means this came out two years later, which also means I gave away my neat neat, neat record version. Like an idiot, you know? But I still have my Welcome to Hell. Well, I I think it's more than a couple years, because if this is right, it was released on combat in 85. Yeah, three Uh, years, three years. Four, four, huh? I'm talking about black metal, yeah. not not uh. Oh, oh black not, metal. Okay. Yeah, my bad. I still I still have my welcome to hell. Thank okay. God I didn't give that one away. I don't remember. I could be wrong, but I don't remember black metal bringing a poster and uh, and lyric sheet. It might have, and if it did, I'm an idiot for at least not taking that out before I gave it away. But I don't think it did. But I still have my neat record version. I'm very proud that I still have it, and uh, I put it on like I said a little while ago. And dude, that's an album I do not play because it's so rare and everything and I always play the CD if I'm going to listen to the album or on my iPod I never put on the vinyl but I said fuck it let's hear the vinyl and uh, it does sound a little different in some songs like in League with Satan sounds different than the combat version I noticed I was like dude this sounds a little slower but uh, yeah, anyway yeah so that's my story with Venom my gateway was you know really merciful fate but Venom was the second one you know, and then, you know, it was Raven, and, which Raven's not satanic in any way, but they were, those early albums like Crash Bang, Wall Up, and stuff like that is pretty fucking uh, extreme for the time. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and then Slayer and Celtic Frost and so on. But it was Merciful Fate and Venom that got me on this road to fucking brutalness back then. And to me, you can't get more brutal than Venom. I know other bands play faster and more cutthroat and even more brutal in a way, but 
it's something about that time. And to release an album that sounds like that is fucking, you know, is unheard of. And yeah, a lot of people back then was like, dude, that shit's fucking noise. It sounds terrible. I was like, yeah, but that's the that's the beauty of it. It's kind of like heaven, Hotter Than Hell from Kiss. It sounds awful, but it has charm because of that crazy production, you know? So there you go. I can go on and on, but I'm going to let you go. <laughs> All right, well, I definitely came into to Venom way uh, later than you, but they were a band I was always aware of because, you know, back in the day when I was buying, you know, the Hit Paraders and the, and the Metal Edge and, and all that shit, you know, you would always see the T-shirts. And I thought they had, like, one of the coolest logos ever. I love the Venom logo. It's so fucking metal, you know, and... And they have some of the best and some of the worst album covers ever. <laughs> uh, but uh, but but I never checked them out because I just assumed, you know, I told you I was a bit of a snob. Like, they, were, they weren't on a major label. And when I was younger, a lot of the bands that I knew were influenced by them were bands that I, wor- I weren't into yet, you know. But <laughs> I love hearing what you said was written on the back of their albums. Because... The first one I bought was Cast in Stone, which was the late 90s. <laughs> and, and and you made me just grab it, you know, and, and, and look on the back. And, you know, by the time you get to Cast in Stone, I think they ran out of cool shit to put, put on the back because it says, there once was a man from Nantucket. Uh, <laughs> and then there's some exclamation points. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I remember when I bought Cast in Stone, uh, there was a big deal about the original lineup getting back together. And, and I'm reading about it in magazines. This is before I'm on the internet. And at this point, you know, you know, thanks to shit like, you know, Pantera and getting into the thrash, you know, at a, at a later age, I was much more accepting of, he- of heavier shit. Around this time, too, is when I rediscovered King Diamond and started loving that shit. So I was like, let me pick this up because there was a special edition of Cast in Stone, which was the reunion album, and if you initially bought it, it came with a second disc of the classic lineup re-recording a bunch of classics, and that's the version that I have, came in the slipcase and everything, and I remember loving that album, but it was one of those things, I listened to it a lot for a couple of weeks, and then I moved on to something else, because I get very ADD with a lot of me, like, I'll latch onto a band, and that's all I listen to for like two, three months. I mean, not two, three months, but like two, three weeks till I burn myself out. And then I find something else and I, I get all into that, you know, and sometimes I go back and forth and, and Venom was a band that for whatever reason, I never went back to, but I remember how much I enjoyed Cast the Stone when I first got it. But, you know, through, through, uh, Mr. X, you know, I have every Venom album, but, you know, having damn near 17,000 albums, there's a lot of shit I just don't. You know, and, and having so many different genres, sometimes I just miss bands. And we've been doing a lot of episodes lately on stuff that you turn me on to. It's like, God damn it, why did I devote more time to that? Stuff like Lizzie Borden, stuff like uh, Iced Earth. Albums that, man, God damn it, I should have gave this band more time. I, I wish I had the history. I wish I'd been jamming to this stuff for so long. And and this was one of those. Man, I listened to this when, when you, rec- this is one you recommended. And I was like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. I, I, I need to get into some Venom. I need to give it, you know, some full attention. And uh, I'm, I'm really glad you picked this because there's a lot of stuff uh, to enjoy about this. And I see why, you know, 
bands that I love like Slayer who have always sung the praises of Venom uh, I get it now and you know as soon as I was I listened to this album like three and a half four times before we before we started this and I initially called you and you didn't answer because you were in the shower I was like oh fuck this I'm listening to black metal now I gotta keep this going I love this shit and and man I was I was hearing a bonus song off of uh, black metal and I was like oh man the, the production was better which ain't saying much but it's like oh this sounds really cool like now I want to check out all this different venom but back in the day they were kind of a band at least among people I knew and people I saw, it seemed like they were almost like the Ramones, where you'd see a lot more people wearing the shirt than actually knowing the music. They just liked it because it looked fucking good. Uh, but, you know, if you talk about, oh, I, just, I, I love this shirt, you know, it's like, ah, fuck, you know. But now that I know this music, uh, man, I want to get me a Venom shirt because I feel like a fucking Venom fan. And, uh there's a couple of, you know, in the metal community, especially in our age, I think we're out there, there's a couple different, like, t-shirt coats. And, uh, you know, some I agree with, some I don't. Like, one I don't is the code that, like, you can't wear the shirt of the band you're going to see. How do you feel about that one? Well, I do at times. I <clears throat> I, I don't normally do that, but the people that do wear it, I don't care. It doesn't bother me, yeah. you know? I remember Not- one time... I wore a band shirt to a show, and this guy was like, he looked down on me. He's a good friend of mine. He was like, wow, you're going to wear this shirt at Derek's show? Can't remember what band it was. I was like, yeah, I felt like wearing it. So what? You know? Yeah, I never understood that one. Like, my old lady, you know, who isn't into metal or music in general, damn near as much as me. Not even a fraction, but she's like, oh, no, my uncle told me you can't ever do that. And I think that's bullshit. But one that Unless I you're in th- Kiss, you know, you got to wear their shirt. Oh, if you're going to meet them. Don't get me started on those fucking bitches. Yeah. But, uh, but one that I've always adhered to, and, and, and I firmly believe in, do not wear, uh, a, you know, a shirt of a band as a fashion statement. If you don't support that band and you're not a fan, I hate, see- I hate seeing that shit. Like, you, you know somebody doesn't listen to that shit. But basically what I'm saying is I saw a lot of people in Venom shirts that didn't know shit about Venom. It was just, it was satanic, it was cool. And I, I totally get that from the 80s because I went through that phase, man, where anything that was that was fucking satanic, I wanted. And I was never like a devil worshiper. I never practiced that shit. But for those who weren't around during the 80s, it was a taboo. It was cool. You were going against the brain. And now, like you said, it's so blase like everybody's doing so it's lost the shock back but in the 80s that was legitimately some fucking taboo uh shit so it was a big deal i was so into it i was so into band singing about satan that i didn't actually literally worship satan but i kind of like i live vicariously through king diamond and cronus and tom g warrior and all these people i lived through them like wow man you're you're proud to go to hell, dude. That's You're fucking a badass, you know what I mean? You defy the Lord. And I always liked that. I always was like... Because back then, I, I, even to today, I don't... You know, I'm not like you, dude. I'm, I, I am not a fan of organized religion. But I, I also stand by, dude, I don't know what's in the future. I don't know what's going to happen after we die. Nobody does. So maybe there is a hell, maybe there isn't. I don't know. I can't say it because I'm not dead. 
But I, I will say this, that um, I honestly believe that there is an afterlife and we go to heaven and hell. I doubt I won't be led into heaven just because I like King Diamond saying I deny Jesus Christ the deceiver. And this guy talking about, you know, drinking the vomit of a priest, <laughs> you know. Uh, but it was just so cool. It was so, you know, it's kind of like, you know, finding that Playboy magazine as a little kid. And, you know, you know you're not supposed to look at it, but you can't help it. And it's like, you know, it's kind of like peeking, peeking your head through the door of something you shouldn't be looking at. But you're a kid. You're so fascinated by it that it's just awesome. And I, I don't really understand how kids today, you know, with the environment we live in, in the metal scene, can listen to, you know, like... Immortal, which I love, or Emperor, or all this black metal stuff, and think, um, oh wow, this is so cool. They're t talking about Satan. This is so forbidden. It do it just doesn't seem forbidden anymore. And I think that that uh, that magic is gone. But I, I don't know what the kids are thinking today. I mean, I think they're more into the music and they like the brutalness and you know, all right, the Satan lyrics go along with this. But I'm more into you know, like. Like Bathory is a great example. Bathory is an amazing fucking band, which I would love to do uh, Bloodfire Death in the future. That's an album I, I definitely want to review as well. Now, I, I have, but I've, I've never listened to it. I want to do a later, or the first Bathory album is another kind of game changer. It's like the second wave. They're like the second Venom to me. You know? It's a one-man project. But anyway, um, it's just, there's just so something so special. And as much as I love Venom, I still have to like, you know, give the nod to Merciful Fate because Merciful Fate was you know Venom is kind of like you know Motorhead-ish uh, Merciful Fate is a freak of its own you know but I mean Venom takes what Motorhead did and made it nastier which is like how the fuck is that possible but they did it you know what I mean man I'll, I'll tell you after uh, we just did that Merciful Fate episode uh, Man, I, I went back the other night. I was like, man, I want to listen to some Mer And I, I put on the fucking EP. Like, God damn, is this good. I, I mean, I just, I, I, I love it more and more. I'm like, God damn, I love this shit. And I wish I had been listening to it for years. You know, it's, oh, I'm man. Telling, I, dude, I, 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 that EP, it solidified my, I think that's why I'm, I'm a metal fan in my 50s. Because that EP, I was into metal. But when, see, here's the thing, and I honestly do believe this. There's two roads you can go by. You can go the extreme road, and you can go the Bon Jovi road. If you go the Bon Jovi road, you're kind of stuck, dude. If you're ever going to get into a band that's new, it's not going to be nowhere near extreme. It's going to be rocking, and, you know, like, you know. Well, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that, because I started out on that road. But no, now, but but, I, but I, no, I, but you but you still went extreme. I'm talking to people that don't right. take the extreme road. Right. They right. never will explore underground music. Right. Which is cool. I'm not bashing people like that, but dude, they're not gonna die for metal like we would. You know, it's right. like there's a there's a certain passion for metal that Bon Jovi fans will never ever understand. Right. They, well, that that's also why we're in our 40s and 50s and we still have long hair. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's just yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we're part of it, and I just I, I feel like, and I know it sounds stupid to some people, uh, you, you know, but man, my my long hair is my freak flag, and I fly that shit. Like, no matter what happens, no matter what I have to do in life, I'm gonna find a way to be me, and you're not gonna take that shit away from me. I went the the job I have now. I went to that interview in a suit and tie. 
but with long hair. I mean, I pulled it back. I did what I had to do. But I'm like, I didn't cut my hair. Let them try to say that shit. I'll claim I'm fucking Native American. It's part of my fucking religion. Fuck you. <laughs> you know? It's like I'm not cutting my goddamn hair. You know? I, I hear you. And, I, and I'm, I'm the same way. And again, I also want to stress, people that took that other road, like a, a good friend of mine called Yaya. I love him to death. I love that guy. As a human being, I love him. It doesn't tarnish the fact that he went to Bon Jovi Road. He's still an awesome person regardless. I'm just saying, when it comes to heavy metal music, you know, you're not going to be like, all right, let me uh, dig into, uh, uh, let's see, like an Iced Earth. No, no, I'm going to stay with Iron Maiden because they're classic and I'm just going to listen to Iron Maiden. I'm not really going to go, you know, fanatical over, you know, the last Iced Earth album, which blows away Book of Souls. But if these people heard Ice Earth in the 80s, they would agree with me right now. You know, I mean, the riffage, the, the craziness. And I love Book of Souls. Well, like is more of a word. <laughs> okay, I, I was going to say. I bought it. I bought it on vinyl. I'm not, I, I actually enjoy that album, believe it or not. I actually heard it on vinyl. I was like, you know, this is not bad from their track record. But you know what I did today, and I'm ashamed of myself for even doing this, because I hate the fucking song, but I'm such a completist like you. Uh, I had Mr. X send me the new single for fucking Empire of the Clouds. <laughs> oh boy! Just just because it's got a B side where where it tells the story of the song. And I'm oh, like, I have that. I you know that, yeah. that that's a record store day thing. I have it on vinyl. Yeah, and I, I'm like I'm like fuck. I don't even like this song, but I have to have it in my collection because who who knows? I might change my opinion. You know, and and both of us have been guilty of that. You know, like like you know changing our opinions. Like sometimes you hate an album and then. You know, all of a sudden you get it. Maybe someday. I don't see it as likely. Maybe someday I'll like that shit, but I'm a completist, you know? It's like you buying fucking goddamn Hot in the Shade on vinyl, you know? You'll probably never like that album, but you gotta have it. Still sealed. <laughs> that and Crazy Nights, they're both still sealed. I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I ever unseal it, you know? But it's, I, not, I'm a complete it's not only still sealed, sealed, you still have the receipt just in case you come to better judgment. <laughs> yeah, in case I wake up and say, you know what, yeah. I don't want to be a completist anymore. Yeah, if you're, if you're ever in a pinch, like, hold on, I know some asshole pay good money for this. Yeah, I will definitely sell it if I get fired and, 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 and then get a drug habit. Then I definitely will sell it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, um, like I was saying, dude, if you like Venom at my age... Back then, if you love Venom, it's chances are, you know, you're gonna get, you know, you're gonna get older and get into Immortal and Emperor right. and Bathory and well, you know I, and shit like that. You know? I mean, I, I think the awesome thing is, you know, I'm damn near 44. I'll be 44 in May. I don't know what month this is gonna air. We're recording in January, but I'll be 44. In this May. is gonna be very. This will be way before May. Trust me. I want this shit yeah. up as soon as possible. Right, but but what I'm saying is though, I'm just what I consider fully discovering Venom now. Even though I heard some before, after listening to this, it's like I'm a 44, basically a 44 year old discovering Venom, and I'm I'm happy about it, you know. But that's like like keep an open mind, and that's why you, you know I got I, I'm so pissed at like you know the Kiss nerds now. Like man, keep an open mind because in in the last shut up cat. In the last, like, fucking six months or so, we've done so many albums that I missed in my youth of being a metalhead that I've rediscovered through this show, but it's by keeping an open mind. And, like, 
hey, let me revisit something. Let me listen to it with with open ears and an open attitude. And 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 the awesome records I've discovered and the joy I've discovered and and new metal. I mean, this shit came out in 1981, but it's new to me because before we did this review, even though I knew certain songs, I never listened to this album in its entirety. And now I'm so happy I did. And, and, and that's what I love about, you know, the fans that listen no matter what, because you never know. Maybe somebody will listen to this and you don't like it. And hey, I get that. But give it a chance, because yeah. you never know when you could hear something that, like, totally adds new a, a new element to your musical palette. And I, I love discovering new shit. I really do. I get happy when bands I love put out new albums. Even if they suck, at least I know they're trying, and it gives me something new to expand. Because I get tired of listening to the same shit. You know, I, I think I think that uh, if you're over your 30s and you took the Bon Jovi route, you'll never get it. You just won't get it. I mean, there's a lot of extreme metal that goes way over my head, like Nile and stuff like that. But but at least I gave it a shot. I go see it right. live and I enjoy it live. But but it's not something I like kicking back at home. There, my death metal taste is very very limited, dude. I'm I'm like a you know, I took the death obituary morbid angel route when I was a little kid, and I refused to go, you know, to, you know, like fucking, uh, what's the name of that fucking, dying fetus and shit like that. It's something I just can't get into, man. But at least I tried, you know? And it's something that, I don't know, maybe if it was a little more like, you know, the old school. You know, I love the new morbid angel, but that's not saying much because it's a classic band. Uh, let's get into this album, dude. I'm dying right, to get into this shit. Yes, sir. All right. So uh, the first song, Sons of Satan, I would like to hear the opinion of somebody that discovered this in 2017. And then I'll give you my 1983 version because I heard this two years after the release. And also, I somewhat forgot to mention, Venom was all over Kerrang! Magazine back in the day. So I was like, you know, wow, these guys. And, and everything I read on Venom uh, was like every fucking story on Venom had to do with the production's terrible, you know? But they also gave it a rave review at the same time, so I was like, okay, let me check out how bad this production is. And then when I heard the production, I was like, yeah, it's bad, but it's appealing, you know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, what do you think of Sons of Satan? Well, when I first heard this, I, I, I was laughing. Uh, I was laughing half out of, like, I get what all these other people have said. And I was laughing, but I'm like, I still dig it. Uh, you, you know, because Lemmy was famous for making fun of fucking Venom. And, uh, you know, Carrie King saying, like, oh, they're so bad, but I love them. And when I first heard this, I was like, god damn, are these guys even playing the same song? <laughs> you know, because it sounds very, like, raw and unaccomplished. But yet there was something that I really dug about it. And to me, I put... Uh, Motorhead Speed, Metallica Attitude, King Diamond Lyrics, and Twisted Sisters Talent. <laughs> uh, uh, fun and funny at the same time. But as I listen to it more, like I said, I listen to this like three and a half, four times this album. It's like I got over the initial like judgment and just started enjoying it. I was like, I fucking love this shit. You know, it just... It sounds so good. You know, when bands that I love and worship like Iron Maiden are putting out overbloated, fucking pretentious crap like Book of Souls, to hear something like this that is just raw, 
primal and fucking metal to the core. Even what it lacks in talent, it makes up for in passion. Because you, you, you know, like, even if they're not the most accomplished musicians, or, you know, or a singer, uh, there's just a feeling behind it that you know these guys believe it, and they're trying their best to do what they can, and it's fucking entertaining. It, it was metal to my ears, and, and I, I dug it. I like this song. Such insane. I was laughing with the fucking... Listen to the lyrics. I'm just laughing, but I'm like, it's so cool. It's so metal, man. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely dug this track. What do you think? Yeah, no, the first time I put this on, mind you, I already heard Black Metal. And this one was like, what the fuck? This sounds even <laughs> worse, you know, than the production, you know? But it's pure game-changing music. I mean, it's, yeah, it's all over the place, you know, with no desire for acceptance of the mainstream. This no. song is, uh, like, you know, just a beast of its own. It's This is, like, beyond appealing to me as a kid trying to find heavy bands. You know, Cronus' vocals were so original at this time. So many people like sound like Cronus now. But it's right. just a, a crushing song that sounds like a car flying off a mountain. And then at the end of the song, it's like a, a, a car rolling down the side of the mountain. Because, you know, you see how, you hear how that song ends? It's like, Bruh! then it stops, then, uh, then it keeps going. Bruh! You know, like, it's a car rolling down, like, every, hitting every fucking inch of the mountain the way down, you know? hell of a way to introduce a band with the first song off the first album yes i know they had like some singles and stuff before this but this is their first album you know and this is how i judge a band not by demos and singles you know right. when, when a band makes an album that's their way of saying look here we are and this is what we are you well know? uh not to cut you off but as i was doing research for the album uh Venom, and I, I don't know if this is true or this is, this is them just trying to, to cover up a little bit, but they said that it, it's that raw because they believed this was just going to be a demo. They didn't think this was going to be the actual record. It's actually true. that This whole album's demos. Yeah, and it was recorded in only three days. Yeah. And they just thought it was going to be a rough run-through. So, I mean, were they capable of better? I, I, I don't know. I don't know at this point. I, I know... You know, when I, when I listen to black metal, I hear better production. I hear a better performance out of all of them. Uh, you, you know, but but the songs are here. The passions are here. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely rough. But, man, I, I, I find it joy in it as well. That, you know, that's also the thing about record companies. If you sign a deal with a record company and you have a bunch of demos, like the record company is kind of like to shave, you know, down the price of the cost of spending money. Put this to put out the demos, and even if the band goes no, it's like you signed the contract, bitch. We're releasing it as right. Well. You know right. that's happened many times. I've heard a lot of bands, you know, complain about that. Like fuck, man. We if we would have known, we would have put a little more time and effort into the demo. Right. But I'm glad they didn't. I don't know. I, I I do know that that these are like basically demos. But I don't. I'm not aware that Venom ever complained about it. You know. Right. But they might have, but I've never heard them complain about it. All right, I'll go to the title track, which uh, is the second song, which this one's a little more cohesive. It actually has a hook to the riff. Yes. <laughs> but 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 here comes Cronus spinning out those fucking <laughs> lyrics and then adds a female vocals as Cronus sings over her. <laughs> that shit is so awesome. Like, here's some girl singing and Cronus is like over her. It's just so fucking classic and insane at the same time. Not only for back then, I mean, 
It stands, it still stands the test of time of pure insanity. And Welcome to Hell is a fucking classic, a staple uh, in Venom music. I mean, this is something that, it's just pure Venom, you know? And, and uh, like this out, like this whole album is pretty much, you know, you're gonna get more of this as it goes by. But I absolutely love Welcome to Hell, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I love it too. Yeah. <laughs> And it's funny, though, that, that you think those are female vocals. Uh, that was actually vocals done by the producer of the album, Mark Alden Taylor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you bring that guy. The war is over, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know, but this has the production of one of the freaking Frack Podcast episodes. <laughs> and I really think that's him reading the, reading those those female lyrics in the background. <laughs> Well, you know, if somebody tells him that we mention him, then he'll be listening now. But if nobody hey, does, I doubt he'll listen to Venom. He'll share this episode to both of his listeners, so I'm, I'm looking for numbers. God damn it. That guy can't stand Tom Araya's vocals. Imagine Cronus. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's, it's funny you bring that up because listening to this, I hear a lot of Tom oh, Araya. Are you kidding me? Even musically, I hear Slayer in this show. Oh, oh, There's yeah. a lot, and I'll, and I'll pinpoint a couple songs where Cronus hits those high notes like, like Tom Araya does, like sporadically. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, believe me. The first time I heard Show No Mercy, there's a lot of spots that Show No Mercy going, these guys listen to Venom. Oh, this yeah. is and, definitely Venom worship, you know? Oh, and I have that in my notes as well on a future track. Uh, but this is one I'm listening to it. I totally agree with what you said about this is a more cohesive song musically. I think it sounds like they're all playing the same songs, <laughs> and 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 I love, um, you know, I love the rough production. Like you said about Hotter Than Hell, man. I, I love that shit. I love the first Made Now. It doesn't bother me. I think the production on Blizzard of Oz does not bother me. I don't mind the raw shit. The only thing I would change in this production is I wish the guitars, you know, is out of tune and bad as they are, I wish they were the same level as the vocals because I, I think Kronos' vocals definitely overpower uh, the drums and guitar on this. And I, I don't know if he's playing bass. I think it could be much like Tom Araya. You never hear bass on a goddamn Slayer song. Yeah. But, yet, but yet you know somebody's playing it. No, he does. He, there's that little well coming up. There's a little bass oh, there solo is one coming song. up. Yeah, there uh, is one song. And, and it's not the greatest shit ever, but the the charm of it oh. is like, dude, I'm glad you played it like that instead of being technical. You know oh, I mean? well, wait till we get into that one. Yeah. But you know, on, on this one, that's my only thing. I've listened to it as, you know, I've heard all the, the you know the talk about the production. That's the only thing. I wish the guitars were a little bit brighter, but still, it's like one of those things. I'm sure, like. You know, give it another ten listens. I'll be like, don't change a fucking thing. I bet you now uh, that I've that I've heard this multiple times. I've heard this much more than I played the second disc of Cast in Stone, which was the re-recordings. I bet you I would take this over it, just because you know there's always a certain magic. I mean, look when Twisted Sister redid Stay Hungry. Yeah, but you know what, dude? I mean, I'll take this over Cast in Stone any day, the re-recordings. But I would tell a new listener. Listen to that one first, because if you dig those songs, then go back and check out the fucked up production. And I absolutely do love the re-recordings on Cast of Stone. When I heard them, I was like, dude, normally I wouldn't like something that's polished up that I love so much when it's gritty. It's fucking awesome, those, the, the re-recordings. Like, you should go back and listen to it. It's really, really good. But yeah. 
but fuck that, dude. This shit like buries it. Uh, but it, you know, I normally like what you you mentioned. Still hungry is fucking terrible. Uh, yeah. but, but those re-recordings on Castle Stone are pretty damn good. I I, I like them. It's kind of yeah. like, wow, this is you know, it doesn't really. It doesn't really uh, take away the, the, the nastiness and greediness of the low production, yeah. but uh, it, it, because, dude, if a song rules, a song rules. Right. And that's how the, this shit is. Where, yeah, it's still, still Hungry, those songs do rule, but I think the performance on Still Hungry is just terrible. And right. Dee's voice is not as, you know, as, uh, you know, captivating as it was on Stay Hungry. Well, you know, and one thing I want to point out is, you know, as raw as it sounds uh, production-wise and musicianship-wise, I can't believe uh, how these guys have changed and matured because I think we would both agree, as far as 2017, I think both of us, our favorite metal release was Venom Incorporated. Which, which actually, I had that on my list to... The reason we're doing this episode is because I made a list of all these albums I wanted to review, and one of them was Venom Inc., but I felt like, dude, it would be very, you know, like, lame for us to review Venom Inc. before we ever review a Venom album. Right. So let's get Welcome to Hell, and, and not and a bad way of saying is out of the way. No, this is an extreme, to me, this is one of the most important episodes we're, we're ever going to put up because of the his, history of this song. This song right. is, I mean, dude, there should be, you know, in the in the book of heavy metal, there should be a whole chapter on this album alone, you know? Right, right, right. No, I, I agree, and I hope that through this episode, uh, people check out Venom and become Venom fans. But uh, what I'm saying, man, when I heard that Venom Inc., I was like, this is top-notch metal, and the plane is awesome. Yeah, yeah, no. You know, it's, it's, it's a different yeah. singer who was a former singer of Venom. Yeah, let's get back into the album. Where, where uh, are we at? Uh, <laughs> we're on the, the third song. Schizo. <laughs> Schizo. Uh, yeah. Who the fuck was writing songs about some fucked-up dude chopping off heads back then? You know, this song fucking rules, and it rules fucking hard. I love those breaks with Cronus yelling. Uh, you know, but come on the night, you'll you'll uh, you'll freeze in fright, axe drawn high, another die. You know those little breaks when he does that shit. It's just oh my god! And then it goes into my favorite part where he's like creeping and, and aching from victims unknown. You know that part. It's just so badass. Like, you know he has you in his sight. You know Slayer. You know this this is Slayer right here. You know Slayer became huge with shit like this. You know Schizo. I mean. Slayer borrowed a lot from Venom, and this song you hear a lot of Slayer in it. Uh, one of my favorite tracks on here is Schizo. I posted it today on the I saw it. on the on the uh, combat page. I said, "God, this song is so good." While I was listening to it, I was like, "They put up Schizo on the page." You know? Love it. One of my favorite nice. tracks on here. What do you think? <laughs> uh, my notes. Uh, I think Slayer heard this band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, dude, I, I, I dig this song. I dig this song. And I'm such a fan of Show No Mercy, man. I love, and I know this might seem as like a fucking blasphemy to, to certain Slayer fans, uh, which Slayer is probably my overall favorite band out of the big four. Uh, but I, I, I like Show No Mercy even more than Halloween's. I like Show No Mercy the best. I think it's their best album. But, even but, even more than Rain and Blood, I like Hell Awaits more than Rain and Blood. But you know, Rain and Blood is fucking 
a masterpiece. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I love Hell Awaits, but I, I like Rain of Blood more. But uh, there's just something about Shona Mercy I love so much because there would never be another Slayer album like it. Uh, well, but, you know, like like what I you know I'd say as far as an album goes, that's my favorite Slayer album. But my favorite Slayer release is Haunting the Chapel because it has elements of Show No Mercy and Halloween's. It's like the perfect, you know, Chemical Warfare, Haunting the Chapel, Captor of Sins. Those are like my favorite Slayer songs along with Cryonics. Right. But man, when, when I heard when I heard this, it, it took me back to Show No Mercy and I was like, wow, now I see it. You know, I see where, you know, the inspiration, you know, and, and, and Carrie King's always been very vocal about his love um, you know, I love the quote. He's like, "They're so shitty, but they're so awesome. I love it so much." And, and, and I and I get it, man. And you can totally hear it. Uh, you, you know, in Tom's vocal delivery, I think Tom has a better voice than Kronos. But you can see where he gets the style and the delivery is total Kronos. You know, listen to this. Uh, dig this song. Really cool. All right. Well, I'm going to the next one. <laughs> which is Mayhem with Mercy. And my notes are, who played this shit? Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah exactly. Because, wow, I, I dig it. I like it, but it just sounds like a like a whole other band with a whole another level of musicianship and sophistication. And it's not like it's fucking, you know, rocket science, but it sounds miles above what you hear on the other shit. It's like, where did this come from? And where's this guitar player on the rest of the songs? Uh, but but I, I definitely dig it, and I love that it doesn't fit, yet it fits. It has an atmosphere that fits the album, even though it's definitely uh, more musical and more melodic than the rest of the shit. But it's still dark in its core, and I and I dig that. I'm a, I'm a fan of this one. What do you think, Doug? Yeah, you know, actually, the first time I heard it, and even today when I was listening to it, it still makes me laugh. You know, it's actually kind of pretty. Yeah. But it doesn't last too long. You no. know, but it's like, what the fuck? This is awesome. Like, after all that dirty shit, you throw this in, and then you throw something really fucking dirty after this, which is, you know, uh, again, one of my favorite fucking uh, Venom songs. It's like, hey, mate, let's stop singing about Satan. Let's talk about a slut. And that's what this song is. I mean, making love to the devil's daughter. I love that shit. It's so fucking classic. Poison fucking rules. This song is just so fucking crushing. And with a subject I love. Sluts. You know, mommy's little virgin, daddy's pride, you know. And, uh, you know, but really a dirty slut that, that likes to give everybody a good time. My kind of girl, dude. I fucking love girls like this so much. And they got... You know, they all got me fucking poisoned. And the ripping music is so infectious. Absolute masterpiece. This goes up there with one of the best songs on the album. Now, I do have a favorite song on the album, but this is definitely uh, up there. Probably my second favorite. I love Poison. What do you got? Uh, my notes. Did Gene Simmons write this? Yeah. <laughs> because, because this is a total change, you know, from going to, uh, you know, the Morning Star. <laughs> to this shit I, I love it though I love it uh, again I, I love how it switched from like Satan to just singing about a dirty whore but uh, hey don't get more metal than that and they don't stop there there's another dirty whore song coming up right 
But uh, no, I dig this. It, it's it's a change of pace lyrically, and I don't know the lyrics, of course, like you do. Uh, I didn't study the lyrics. I mean, certain you know, it's a certain song you just you hear the music, and then I hear Satan and all this shit. I'm laughing, and this one, I was like, oh, I know where we're going here now. Dude, do yourself a favor. Read the lyrics to the song next time. You're gonna laugh, man. Oh, God, it's it'd so be, cool. It'd be it's like a Mel cool Brooks movie. movie. Yeah, it's so fucking cool. So, you know, a girl that likes to get game back. Yeah. You know? And she's like all not nice and innocent at home, but then afterwards, you know, she fucks a bunch of people and then she fucks Cronus. <laughs> you know, it's like awesome. Uh yeah. No, but uh a little change of pace lyrically, but I fucking love it. Fits in well with the album. Alright, well I'll go into the next song, which is Live Like an Angel. And man, I really fucking dug this one too. And as I'm listening to this, uh, I'm, I'm taking notes and I'm, I'm trying to do updates on the post uh, on the Facebook page. And I saw this really cool post from, from Aaron Baker, who said, man, he goes, I didn't believe I'd ever say this, but thank God for Ian and Ralph, you know, or Ralph and Ian, I'm sorry. Uh, man, you know, all the music that they've turned me on to that I missed. And, and Aaron's only 22, you know, I'm... Like I said, basically 44, and I'm still getting turned on to great music through you and, and, and through this show. And, and, you know, as I'm listening to this song on the headphones and I'm reading that post, it's like, dude, I know exactly what you're saying. I know exactly what you mean, because I'm listening to this and I'm loving the fuck out of it. You know, like I said, it's one of those ones that I'm kicking myself in the ass. Like, I should have been listening to this shit for 30 years. For 20 years, I should have been having this in the rotation but better late than never and i can't stress that to our audience enough like hey man if you never give it a chance start now i don't give a fuck how old you are or whatever it's never too late to discover great fucking music and uh and and i love this shit it's just fucking it's so metal it's it's so cool this by no means my favorite track on the album but still it's, it's 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 great man it's good it's just good fucking heavy fucking metal and uh, I was inspired by not only the song but that post so thank you Aaron and I, I, I just only you know wish a lot of the listeners who listen to this episode I was so blown away by our reception to uh, the last personal fate episode we just did uh, you know as of the recording of this we never had an episode do that good that fast and that's counting every kiss episode so to, to, to find people like just getting into these lesser known albums because it's not like that Merciful Fate album was a mega seller you know that that, that shit I doubt it even sold 100,000 copies in the US but it was a great fucking album and people gave it a chance and and you know people like Aaron Baker listened to that episode like wow now I have something new to listen to and uh, and, and man it inspires me and I'm glad it inspires the audience and uh, yeah, that's what I got to say about that one. I digs it. I saw I saw that post as well, and uh, I actually said on that post, dude, we're gonna we're gonna play even more shit you don't know. I will say this though to Aaron, to anybody that listens to this and doesn't get it, and you're young, you didn't take the Von Jovi route. Keep listening over and over again. It, if you end up getting it, you're gonna thank me so much because it's gonna it's gonna make you die a metalhead at 90 years old or however old you live. Um, and again, live like an angel. Fuck, dude, this shit is historic. This shit's one of the best tracks on here. 
live like an angel, die, you know, like a devil. Got a place in hell reserved for me. <laughs> you know, it's like fucking badass. I remember laying back on my bed listen, reading these lyrics. And, you know, it's simplistic to the point, but it's awesome, you know. And, uh, you know, and those fast vocals, those crazy riffs that are yet catchy. You know, this song has absolutely no apologies whatsoever. And, you know, it's like a big middle finger to organized religion. You know, so taboo, as I was saying at the time, you know. And the simplest, you know, gonna burn in hell, that's where I'm gonna be. You know, it just struck this nerve with me that I needed more and more of this. You know, now it's played out and I can give a fuck how evil you are. Uh, but, it, you know, it's accepted more now. Back then, you were a fucking freak to say shit like this, you know? Now, this song is fucking historic and should be a whole chapter in the book of metal. Uh, just this song. And then get into, you know, the rest of the, you know. Because this song right here really does capture the attitude, the fucking fuck you, the I, relentless... I don't give a flying fuck. I want to shit on a Bible type song, you know? That's what I feel about this song. Now, I'll go to the next one, which is the hit, Witching Hour. You can't get more classic Venom than this song, you know? Hell's breaking loose! You know, and it's crazy, dude. I mean, the best way to describe this song is, is like hearing a Motorhead song burning in hell. You know, there's something so chaotic about Cronus's vocals... Not only on this, everywhere. And it's crazy how Mantis and Abaddon, you know, can match those vocals, you know, with that unrelenting playing that they do on this song. This song is beyond classic. This is what you play someone who's never heard Venom. And if they don't get this song, then get the fuck out of the way. Get the fuck out of the way and make way for people like us who do. Witching Hour rules so hard, and it is the most essential Venom song in their whole discography in my opinion. What do you think? Nice. Well, uh, I would think there's one that's more quintessential than this, uh, but I love this song. This was the first Venom song I ever heard, but not by Venom. Uh, my first exposure was through the uh, the Slayer video, Divine... Uh, yeah, with Rob... Flynn. Yeah, yeah, divine. I forget what the video was called. It was divine something. It wasn't divine intervention. It was divine. It's actually it's, also a B side too. Yeah, divine intrusion. I think was the name of the home video. But I had that on VHS. And yeah, Rob, Rob Flynn and Chris Cantos, uh, who uh, I'm friends with on Facebook. He's a Raiders fan. I love. I was supposed to meet up with him in, in fucking Oakland, and I didn't. But next time I go back, Chris, I'm going to meet up with you. Uh, but. uh yeah, that's the first version I ever heard. I was like, wow, I fucking dig this. And uh, that was years before I ever heard, like, officially Venom. And, and I dig this song. And even, like, when we were, when I was uh, listening to review this album, the last time I was like, after I listened to Venom's version, I had to pause it. And I watched the, the video from the, uh, the Slayer version. Uh, and and I, I love them both, man. Uh, just a great, great fucking metal track. And I can kind of see why you say it, it, it's it's the best track, but I think there's one that's more hooky. I that don't think it's the best track on the album. I'm just saying it's it, to me it's like if you want to turn somebody onto Venom, put on Witch and Hour because if they don't get Witch and Hour, you're not going to get Venom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh, but but uh, I, I love this track, man, and this, it does. 
it sums up what Venom's all about to me, so I'll, I'll definitely agree there. All right, well, I'll take the next song, uh, which is 1,000 Days in Sodom. Holy shit. I think this is my second favorite track on the album. I fucking love this one. And this has something that you don't hear a lot on the other songs, a little bit of musicality and a little bit of, of change in this one. And I love, love the fucking breakdown where it goes to Kronos on bass and it's by no means fucking, you know, Billy Sheehan or Les Claypool, but it's just enough of a change to show you like, okay, they got a cool feel here, you know, and they did a little departure and and I really dug it. This is one that really jumped out on me on the first listen. Like, oh man, I, I got to listen to this more because there are some songs out here that, 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 that a lot of them are of the same ilk, you know, you know kind of sound the same. They're, they're all cool, but kind of blend together. But this is one that really stuck out. And, uh, yeah, second favorite on the album. I really dig this one. Did they play this live when you saw Yes, yes. Oh, man. Both, both the Cronus and the Venomator. Oh, oh, and, and I love anything to do with Sodom or Sodom. I love that shit, old uh, yeah, great fucking track. Second favorite on the album. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, a song as Cronus puts it is an it's an unholy place that is a sinner's delight. You know, it's, I love that that opening track. You know, that opening line. You know, it's like, hey, I love torture and killing people. You know, you know where children are killed next to their mom. That's what the lyrics say. Priests are tied down and tortured, and all that happens in the daytime. Then at night, Satan comes and keeps the torture coming. This may be my favorite song musically, not my favorite song on the album, but musically, right. I think this is the best song. Oh, I get, you know, I because get that. I, like you said, I love that bass in the middle. It's so dirty and those crazy riffs with Abaddon just pounding the shit out of the drums. This right here is the evolution of metal, but an evolution of metal that came way too soon because this was way before its time. You know, this is the blueprint of extreme metal. They are definitely the godfathers of it, and this song fucking proves it. It's almost kind of like a jam section in this song, but a jam section that you've never heard Deep Purple play, you know what I mean? It's like, this ain't no Grateful Dead, motherfucker. This is fucking Venom and their interpretation of a jam. But, uh, yeah, I'd say musically, it's, you know, probably the best song out of here, but overall, my best song is the next one, Angel Dust. Now, Satan and Hooker's I mean, Satan and Sluts, you know, is all their, uh, you know, what they're singing about. It's like, hey, I got an idea. Let's write a song about the beauty of drug abuse. Need it. Want it. Gotta get out of it. Take me higher than anything I know. Total Tom Mariah ripped that shit off. Uh, you know, like every song before it, it's fucking relentless, nonstop, pummeling to the senses. This song gives me the same high Angel does gives Cronus, you know? I bet he wrote this shit whacked out on it, you know, and uh, sure sounds like it, you know, and it's, you know, you know, it's my favorite song on the album, and I don't, I can't say it's the best song, Venom song ever, I really have to think about that, but definitely on this album, this is the one that really, like, I, I, to me is the best one, and they're all, and every song that I put under this is very close, and I absolutely love Angel Dust, it's like, just so fucking killer. What do you think? Now, this is one I, w- I was anx- anxiously looking forward to. Uh, 
but I, I, I didn't dig it as much as you, but I dig the track. Uh, but I know this is, like, considered a classic track, but it hasn't, like, totally bit me yet. It's, it's not, don't get this wrong, it's not that I don't like the track. Oh, you will I, eventually, trust yeah. me. No, and I, I got a feeling like that. But I'm just saying, initially, this one hasn't jumped out on me, but it's one I was waiting for. Uh, I dig it. And spoiler alert, there's no song that I don't like on this album. Uh, but I would say, as of right now, it's my second least favorite. But, that, I mean, that's saying, like, second least favorite on a song on an album where I love every track. So, by no means a dig, it just hasn't bit me. But I have a feeling it will. Alright, what do you think of In League with Satan? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh my god, this is the one. This is the one I think everybody should... Even even if you don't like Venom. I think this is a song everybody could get into. Well, well before you get into it, let me explain why I think Witch and Hour should be instead of In League with Satan. Okay. In League with Satan is different though. It's a departure. Like I'm saying, if you want to get into Venom, you gotta like Witchin' Hour because there's not a lot of in league with Satan in, in Venom albums. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's no. why I that's why I mentioned Witching Hour. If you don't get it, you won't get Venom. Because right. if you get in league with Satan, you're not gonna get the rest of the album. You know what I mean? That's no, what I meant. By no, that. no, yeah, and, and that I will agree with. I, I think Witching Hour is, is much more representative of Venom. Uh, overall, I agree, but I think this is the one, like, even if you don't like Venom, uh, you could get into, because it just has that broad appeal. I mean, if there is such a thing, a broad appeal for Venom, <laughs> you know, I think this is something anybody could get into. And it's so simple, but so awesome in the same way. It's it's, it's almost like a Twisted Sister, we're not going to take it. Not that it sounds anything like that, but it's like... I could see people who don't even, you know, like Twisted Sister liking that song, and and that's how this one is. It's just so like primordial, like, dun 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 dun. I mean, it's just it's fucking killer. It's so fucking good, you know. And a, a buddy of mine that used to bartend at the bar I live above, uh, he was into all kinds of different shit, but there was just something about Venom he loved. He was always played this on a jukebox. And I loved it, you know, it's like, you know, if it's just me and him in there and stuff, he's like, oh yeah, I'm playing Venom. And we would just sit there and bang our heads at the bar to this one. I, I dig it. This is primordial metal. It's fucking killer. This is an all-time metal fucking classic. Even if you don't like Venom, I think you have to admit, this is a catchy one, you know? I, I love it. Fav- favorite song on the album. And... and I, I say that in a weird way. It might not be the best one, but it's my favorite. You know, just because it's so transcending everything. It's just like, God damn it, I don't care what kind of metal you're into. You have to love and lead the safe. I dig it. What do you think? There's no doubt about it. This is one of the greatest uh, Venom songs ever. Ever. This is definitely top five. You know, it's the uh, first time on this album where you can breathe with a mid-tempo closet about his allegiance to Satan. You know, I'm a legal say that. You know, you cannot get more classic than this. You know, back then preachers were looking for backward messages in music. Here, Venom is adding it to it. You know, at the beginning of the song. And you know, back then I actually played this backwards on, on my turntable. And I and and I, and I was thinking of that today when I was listening to the album. 
how it still sounds pretty damn good with, you know, only crackles and pops in the very beginning of each side. But there's no crackles and pops during in League with Satan, which means I am in League with Satan, I guess. Because, you know, yes. I played I played this shit backwards when I was a kid. And, you know, and, and you can hear it fucking clear. You know, you know, it's like, it says, I'm going to burn your soul, crush your bones. I'm going to make you bleed. You're going to bleed eternally for me. You know, it's like Satan raised in hell. All this shit when you play it, you know, backwards on your turntable. <laughs> then there's backward messages at the end where I couldn't totally make out because there's music going on during it. But you know, I, I kind of remember, but now I, I know that it had something to do with Satan, you know. And uh, oh, my God, this song is like... It, it's so catchy, yeah. You know, in that, uh, and that, and this is a classic for a reason, you know. And I love the echoes in his vocals. It sounds like a possessed demon singing this song, you know. And uh, and it's you know, and, the, and it's very catchy, like that part. Look out, beware! You know, that part is just so cool, dude. I love the fuck out of this song. This is probably my second favorite. Yeah, you can't go fucking wrong with the legal Satan. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. Like I said, yeah, you want to turn somebody onto a Venom song that they might like, it'd be in League with Satan. But if you want to turn somebody into a song uh, to like Venom in general, Witching Hour. But, yeah. And I like I, I, I like in League with Satan more than Witching Hour. I, right. I, I, I like it more, but dude, nothing against Witching Hour. No, yeah, saying. no. I, I agree totally with you. It's more representative of, of their true sound. Right. So I'll, I'll take the next one, which uh, is what ends the album on the original release, my nice... Uh, records version, which is Red Light Fever, which uh, <laughs> this fucking song, dude. This song is as chaotic as Sons of Satan. It's like they end the album like they begin it, like this big mishmash of insanity, you know. And, and again, let's change the subject. Let's just, let's sing a song about craving a hooker. <laughs> you know how cool is that? You know, uh, I you know it's probably my least favorite on here, but that's you know it's still amazing. Uh, I absolutely love Red Light Fever. And it's a great way to end the album. Fuck it, I, you know. It may not be the best on here, my least favorite, but it's still fucking awesome. Love it. What do you think? Well, I, I think it's funny you say that because uh, I, I say the same thing. It's my least favorite on the album. Uh, I put, what the fuck is this, Dream Theater? This song is five minutes long. <laughs> you know, to, to Venom, this is like five minutes long. And it is. It's To me, it's, it's reminiscent of Sons of Satan. I like Sons of Satan a lot better. But like you said, it's kind of like, it, it feels kind of half-baked, and I find it funny that this is like the longest track on the album at five minutes and ten seconds. Uh, but not a bad song. It's still like, you know, it's like, I'm not going to skip this. You know, it's not like Cadillac Dreams or some shit. You know what I mean? You know what I love about this song, too? My favorite part is when he says bitch over and over again. At the yeah. End, like singing, he goes, bitch. You know, I just love that. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, like, like like I said, not not a horrible song, but I don't think it's on par with the rest. I think maybe they should have ended it with uh, with the League of Satan. And we got a couple of bonus tracks coming up, which I would much rather have heard on the album in place of uh, Red Light Fever, and even perhaps maybe Sons of Satan. I don't know. I don't know. I I still have a weird uh, you know love uh, association with Sons of Satan. But this one, yeah, definitely my least favorite, but, you know, not a fucking horrible track. But we're going to get into the version that uh, you you talked about, you said we're going to review, because you can get the original, the nice version that ends with that, 
or, for a lot of money. Yeah. Or there is the Combat release, which was released here in the, in the Colonies in 1985 that has two bonus songs. Or you have the version that I have, uh, which is the Castle slash Sanctuary reissue that was put out in 2002. But for, for this review, we're going to do the Combat, like the original U.S. release of this. And the next song is In Nominee Santa, Santus or Satanus. 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 And, uh, you, you know, which I love, you know, being a, a former altar boy, you know, I'm so used to In Nominee Patre, you know, which is in the name of the Father. You know, this is, you know, in name of Satan, uh, which in nomine patre. I don't know. Is, is that is that fucking? Is it's that, Latin. It's Latin. I, was, but I guess it's more. I don't know. It's not yeah. Cuban, but Latin. Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Is, is is that Latin or is it Spanish? I think so. I I could be wrong. It could be Haitian for all I know. I don't know. Whatever. It comes from one of those shithole countries, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as Justin Childers would say. Uh, you know, it's not fucking English. But uh, this is a song I fucking love, and, and I, I searched this out, like, even trying to, you know, post new shit on, uh, I think I posted this on the Wadzilla World page, I know I, I posted it today on uh, on the Rock and Metal Combat page. Uh, I, I, I dig this one, and it's so, like, you know, like I say, you know, if you grew up in the Catholic Church, you know, you know, in Namine Patre. You, you know, that's just part of, like, fucking mass, you know? And then to hear a nominee Satanist or Satanist, whatever, the, however the fuck you pronounce that shit, whole shit. Uh, you know, I, I, I love it, dude. It's so evil for the sake of being evil. But it actually happens to be a fucking good tune, too. I dig this one, and I think it should have been on the album. Now, on um, the version that I have, it's listed as... Uh, uh, seven-inch version. So I don't know. Was this released before "Welcome to Hell" as a single? Was it released after? Because on Wikipedia, I mean, they they, they have a page on Venom, but it's not as detailed as you get on a lot of other metal bands, where they'll outright tell you the singles and when they were released. You you don't have that luxury with Venom. So do you know, Ralph? Was this released before or after "Welcome to Hell"? I believe it. I believe this one probably was I, I know the next one I think was I and the only reason I say that I don't know but the production sounds a little more um, refined than everything oh, yeah. before this oh that's yeah that's why I think it might have been after yeah I, I think I, I think the stuff on the album was produced by Mark Album Taylor and, and, and this song was done by Terrence you know <laughs> this was done by Terrence and his buddy who works at Radio Shack <laughs> Just a little bit more technology on this one, uh, but I dig it. What, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I heard this song two or three years after I bought Welcome to Hell when my friend bought the combat version on cassette. Right. And, uh, dude, when I heard this, I was like, I wanted it so bad, but I could not afford, you know, the combat version at that time. Right. Because at that time, if I made money and I went out to a record store, the last thing I was going to do is buy an album I already own. So, I, you know, he had one of those, uh, you know, tape decks that you can record a tape to a tape. Right. So, you know, that's what I did. I lived off, you know, that cassette. You know, it held me over till I got the CD uh, because this was like, I'm talking about pre-CD. When he had that cassette, CDs weren't really available yet. 
So when I started, you know, going into my CDs and buying shit I already had on vinyl, definitely Welcome to Hell was like the first time I ever caught it on CD. I was like, oh, now I can have these two songs on indestructible superior CDs. That's how, you know, I, I got sucked right. into it back then. Uh, oh my God, yeah, it's a fucking great, great album. I mean, great, great song. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's like, in the name of Satan, we achieve our goals with the blessings of Hades. We live out our role. <laughs> you know, you gotta love shit like that. You know, oh, my yeah. favorite, you know, my favorite part. Uh, it, it's the end where, with the spoken word, with the woman screaming as it fades out. It's so evil as fuck. It's an awesome, it's as awesome as anything off Welcome to Hell. And a right. nice addition. I love this track and, you know, but I gotta tell you, man, I even like the next one even more, Busting Out. You know, Dude, you want to talk about this is the most insanely fast song on this whole album. And, um, you know, hell has granted me three wishes, life, death, and mortality. I will ride the wings of darkness. Fuck your blessed tr trinity. You know, it's like, wow, he said fuck. You know, it's just so cool. It's a fuck, you know, it's the fastest song here. Fucking cutthroat. You know, it's like cutting the throats of virgins and fucking that hole in her throat while... Her dad is lying right next to you, gagged and watching it. Then, then you fucking pull out and come all over the dad's face. Then smash the father over the head with a Bible. Now that's that, 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 it. Doesn't say that in the lyrics, but you know that's that, you know that's, that's the image you I get, get here. Yeah, that's what you get out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the image I get here in this song. And you can say Venom was a bad influence on me. <laughs> This song fucking owns. Busting Out is, and, it, and it's a great title, you know, for the song because that's exactly what the song does. It's kind of like, you know, something that just breaks out of the cage like a Tasmanian devil. It just destroys anything in its past. What a great way to end this on the second version. Busting Out is an awesome, awesome ending and a great, great fucking song. What do you think? Uh, I dig it. Uh, now, on, you know, the, the copies I so... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Graciously got from Mr. X. This is a this is a bonus track on Black Metal. Uh, but luckily I had it so I could listen to it, and I thought it was so funny because it's called "Busting Out" in quotation says "60 minute version," <laughs> but it's only two minutes and 56 seconds. <laughs> so I don't know if that's just a joke title or or what the fuck. But uh, I, I, I dig this one. Uh, I, I think you like it more than me. But I think this should have been, uh, along with a nominee, uh, Satanus, I think it should have been on the album. I, I would have I would have said, you know, drop off Red Lion Fever and, and put this one on. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a better track. Uh, well, like we have it with Red Lion Fever, and I think that's just fine, too. I, I really don't think Red Light Fever should be omitted. But, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that yeah. they added these two tracks well, and kept Red Light Fever. You know, you, you know I, uh, like, like I said, you've lived with this album for years. This is something that, you know, in the last two days I've listened to, you know, four times. So, you, you know, probably, you know, my opinion's going to change on certain. Like Angel Dust, you never know, Angel Dust could end up being my favorite track on the record. But I, I do know I've already loaded this on my phone because I'm like, this is something I want to hear more of. Like I said, when, when you didn't answer my initial call on Skype, I, I started listening to Black Metal right away. I'm like, I gotta hear more Venom. 
I gotta get into this shit. So, you know, maybe my opinion will change. Again, I don't like the song. I, I mean, I don't, I don't hate the song, but uh, you know, you you like it more than me, man. But I really, really enjoyed this album, and I was really taken back by, you know, like a day in, in this day and age when a band I love, absolutely love, like Iron Maiden, is putting out bloated fucking progressive Emerson Lake and Palmer crap like Book of Souls you know that I can go back and listen to something like this that is so raw it reminds me of the first Iron Maiden album it reminds me of Killers you know what I mean it just has that like spirit yeah the sporadicness you know oh yeah it's totally different as far as like you know delivery but the the overall uh, you know vibe yeah. Maiden, you know, that Maiden had on the first two albums, you know, yes, yeah. they're technically better and this yeah. and that, but it was still, you know, yeah, like crushing you, out of a pit cage, you know? You, you've been, and, and like I said, it's still, it's new to me. It's new to me and it's fresh, you know, and, and man, I really dig this. And that's why, man, I, I hope people who are listening to this episode, like, you know, the diehards who listen no matter what, man. No, that's, if, that's, a, that's, a, that's a Venom song. <laughs> Yeah. You know, another great, great Venom song. Give this shit a chance, man. Give this shit a chance because it, it, it's fucking killer, man. I, I really enjoyed this one. I'm so glad you picked it. I was excited when you picked it before I even listened to it because I was like, again, there's a band I need to get more into. And, uh, you know, I take it seriously when we do a review. You know, I never just listen to it once. I always take notes. Uh, in, you know, I mean... This isn't a job, but I take it seriously. You know, you know, we never like make up opinions just to be controversial. We're always honest, and uh, man, I, I, I really dig this one. So thank you, Ralph, for for picking this one. Well, this album was released. I don't have an exact date, but December of 1981. Barely produced by Keith Nickel, Venom, and Mark Alden Taylor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many copies it sold, but even, you know, if it sold shit, it, it, its influence is felt to this day. Uh, an, an amazing album, an amazing pick, so thank you, Ralph, and I hope you guys all enjoyed this. But uh, let's go into Pick of the Week, Ralph. I know you got one picked already, right? Because you're always prepared. <laughs> well, actually, I already said, but... Uh... I was going to say Resurrection, but I guess I'll just stay with that. All right. Uh, the, you know, the, to me, it's the best reunion album with the original lineup. Resurrection's a monster fucking album. And like, you know, like the later stuff, it's more refined and the musicianship's better. Um, I absolutely love Resurrection. That's my pick of the week. All right. Well, now going to my pick of the week, which, uh, you know, is, is kind of keeping up with the theme. I'm going to go with Venom Inc. Uh... You know, we've talked about it throughout the episode, uh, but I haven't picked it. It is my pick of the week, and it was just, you know, pummeling metal. And it's it's something, uh, you know, you know, I saw it. You know, I, I got a notification on uh, on YouTube like, oh, you'll like this, you know, because I'm on like a, a nuclear blast. I think they're on that label. Uh, but they're like, oh, you're no, like, uh, aren't they on Megaforce? Because Johnny Z, oh yeah, yeah, is yeah, their yeah. manager. Yeah, Megaforce. It was something like that. It was something like a page I I, I subscribed to on, on YouTube. 
I was like, let me check this out. I was like, holy fuck, is this fucking good? And uh, and and yeah, you know, both of ours favorite release, 2017. And I, I highly suggest people check that out, even if you've heard Venom and you don't like it. It's yeah, it's, it's not it's not like what we just reviewed. Right, right. No, it, it's it's different. But man, it's so fucking good and and, and brutal. But uh, I don't know if accessible is the right word. But I, I think I think it will will appeal to different people. You know what I mean? Dip, you know, if, if you're fans of different genres of metal, I, I think there's something there for everyone. It's just good, well, actually great fucking metal, especially for 2017. Incredible metal. So Venom Inc., yeah, that is uh, definitely my favorite. Just listen to Metal We Bleed. That's going to make you want to hear the album. You know, and songs like Time to Die and Preacher Man is fucking probably like the most epic song. War. Which, now I think about it, they did play War, so they played three songs off the album. Uh, I Kneel to Know God, Black and Roll, Forged in Hell. Yeah. Dude, that album fucking rules, dude. It fucking rules, and it rules hard. Best album of 2017, hands down. And I think it's way better than anything off 2017. Way better. I mean, it's way up there. Whatever's my number two is uh, a few notches below, because that is like... I would even go as far as say it's like the best fucking metal album in years. I, you know, I can't think of a now album that came out this good and, since this album. And how crazy is that that you and me both agree on what's the best metal album of 2017? Yeah. You would never think that by our taste, but but yeah, we both agree that that was the that point. says something. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, you hit the nail on the head. That. That says something that you need to check this out. If both Ralph and I agree that that's the metal album, then you know you know we're not wrong. And, right. and there was a lot of albums I loved in 2017, but nothing like that. And don't miss that band live. You'll be a fool. Yeah, I did. I'm a fool. It was on a school night. Oh, they came, they went to New Orleans. I I think I already missed it. I think they already played. Yeah. Ah, oh, what a fun. Yeah, I know. It was like it was a late show on a Wednesday. That suck. But, uh, all right. Well, now it's it's time for Fan of the Week. And I know, you know, I know we've done this, and I know we've repeated Fans of the Week before, but sometimes there's just that right guy for the right episode. And the right guy for this episode is Aaron Baker uh, because of what he posted and, and, and what it said. And that goes with what we're trying to do. This is a guy with an open mind, uh, that we've turned on to music that's changed his life. And and, and and that's what we try to do. I mean, first of all, like we've always said, we try to make ourselves happy. We try to do a show that we believe in, we're proud of, the music we either love so much or we hate so much, we gotta tell you. But man, to, to turn other people on to shit, and he listed multiple bands that we've done this, uh, you, know, you know, for him, turned them on to shit, and nothing makes us feel better because we don't make a fucking red cent from this shit but you know to, to do that is payment enough at least you know for me I know for Ralph too we don't do this shit for money we do it for passion and our love of fucking hard rock and heavy metal and music in general so Aaron you are our fan of the week brother and I'm so glad that you listen every week no matter what and that means everything and hopefully now that you're a fan of the week you're going to be like 
man, I was a fan of the week from Welcome to Hell, so, man, I don't really get it, so I'm going to keep listening to it, because I'm a fan of the week of that episode, and then you're going to get it, and you're going to be as awesome as me in your 50s. One can only hope. Yay, my ego. <laughs> All right, let's get into the plugs. Earpeeler, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U-K time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans, this is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life, and I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten, and we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday, exclusively on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina. Skitter pal, meow meow. This is Bushy. And the mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. All right. This is the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. And I want you to listen to my brand new radio show, Wadzilla World, where I cover every era of fucking music that I like. And a few that you like, too. Check me out every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on Soundphoria.com. I'll see you there. 
Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sims Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Hey, Headbangers, you want your own radio show? Well, you got it. On Thursday nights here on that metal station, join me on the Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say. And we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks. Then I ain't playing it because my show rules and only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Well, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker. All right, well, if you love this satanic episode, hopefully you're not disappointed next week when it's some shit I picked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, will you be disappointed as usual, like Ralph? Or will Go I gentle turn... on me, Ian. Yeah, or will I turn you on to something? What's it going to be? It's a toss of the dice, but either way, it's going to be a passion-filled episode. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.